Good evening. How y'all doing tonight? Is everybody awake? Let's try that one more time. How's everybody doing tonight? Third of us are awake. All right. Before I get going, I just want to say, and I hope y'all take this with the humor it's meant. I just, I really love this church because you guys are an informed group of body of people. You say, Mike, why do you say that? I count no less than at least 200 of you guys have come to me today saying, man, did you catch that score yesterday? I'm glad you find that funny because I didn't find that score very funny. <laughs> oh, man, Mizzou uh, got, uh, just beat Tennessee up pretty bad yesterday. But I appreciate that you all were so concerned to come find me this morning and tell me it meant the world to me. If you don't get a Christmas card, take it as a hint. It's good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Can you say amen? Um, tonight I want to speak about a subject that's been on my heart for the last couple months, just something that I've been thinking about with a lot of things that I have been going through on a personal level, uh, on a family level, and even on a ministry level. And um, I'm going to preach out of an area that I usually don't preach out of very much, even in kids' church, even in here. But I'm going to preach tonight out of the Old Testament. I'm going to be preaching out of 1 Kings 13, 28 through 31. If you want to go ahead and turn there, I'll get there in just a second. But over in the kids' church on Sunday mornings, we've been doing a uh, special series called The Books of the Bible. And the goal of this uh, um, series was I was wanting to teach the kids to be able to say every book of the Bible in order. It was a goal. I'm not sure if we're going to get there, but we're trying. But... Um, each week, I would try and do so many books of the Bible, interjecting little parts uh, from there. There's a lot of information in the book, guys. It's hard to get all of it in in 11 weeks. But um, each week, we would kind of go through there, and I would try to spend some time reading uh, things out of the book, some things that I did know, some things I didn't know. But when I came to First and Second Kings, there was this story that just really gripped my heart, and uh, I'd just been spending so much time uh, researching this topic, uh, talking to a lot of people about it. Um, and I just found myself reading over this story in uh, chapter 13. If you want to go ahead and stand for the reading of the word. And it says in verse 28, Then he went out and found the body lying on the road with a donkey and the lion standing beside it. The lion had neither eaten the body nor mauled the donkey. So the prophet picked up the body of the man of God, laid it on the donkey, and brought it back to his own city to mourn for him and to bury him. Then he laid the body in his own tomb, and they mourned over him, saying, Alas, my brother. And finally it says, After burying him, he said to his sons, When I die, bury me in the grave where this man of God is buried. Lay my bones beside his bones. Uh, brother John, would you pray over the service tonight, please? Amen. For this rest of this evening, I want to talk about one word, and my prayer is that this story from 1 Kings will help make this word come more alive, more relevant in your life and my life. And that word is simply this, and if you've been following me on Facebook at all, you probably know it, but the word is influence. Influence is a very, very powerful thing. And as we go through these verses and talking about that influence, if you were to put a title to what I'm going to speak about tonight, it would simply be this. What will you do with your influence? 
Influence, again, is a powerful thought. It's a powerful subject, a lot of different ways that we could go with it. But in the scriptures that I just read, and again, I don't read a lot. I don't preach a lot out of the Old Testament. And if I butcher some of these old names, just look past and think, it's just the kid's pastor. He don't know how to pronounce them. It's okay. I admit, I don't know how to pronounce half of them. But there was this evil king living in these days, and something had happened to this king where he had turned from God and what God wanted to do, and this king started to worship and focus on worldly things and idols and false gods, even making sacrifices to these false gods. This king was doing all of this in this place that is called Bethel, which in Hebrew means the house of God. And this king is literally transforming the house of God into an evil place, a place of idol worship. And while he was doing all of this, the Bible says a prophet came to him. A prophet of God who came into this place and started to prophesy against that king. Now, guys, I'm just going to say that's, that's pretty bold. He knew, this prophet knew by going in, he was taking a huge risk and even could possibly face his life being taken from him by speaking in this manner that he would have to do the king. But he knew that God had spoken to him over this matter, and he wanted to follow the will of God. And the prophet began to prophesy that this king and his kingdom would not stand because of the behavior of this king and the evil that he was doing. If we look over at 1 Kings 13.4, it talks about the king's reaction to what is being said by this prophet. And the king, obviously, as many of us could probably guess, was not enjoying what he was hearing. And it says, when the king heard what the man of God cried out against the altar at Bethel, he, the king, stretched out his hand to do him harm. You see, this king did not like what was being said about him. He wanted to do harm to him. But immediately as he put out his hand towards the prophet, his hand started to shrivel up and to sink in like this because he was trying to do harm to him and God wanted to protect him. <clears throat> this king, seeing what had just happened, was scared and in shock fell down and cried for mercy from the prophet and begged to have his hand restored. Amazingly, and I say amazingly, because that prophet started to pray for him. This is why I'm not a prophet. This is why God didn't trust me with a lot. I would have said, see, you shouldn't have touched me. That's how I am. But the prophet said, no, I'll pray for you. And his hand was immediately restored and healed. And then the king turned to the prophet with overwhelmed feelings and said, I want you to come to the palace, have dinner with me tonight, and let me honor you. It even says at the end of verse 7, I will give you a gift. The prophet said, I cannot because the Lord has commanded me not to eat, not to drink in this land. He even says, if you were to give me half of your possessions, I can't go, go with you. I'm not interested in anything that you have. I came with a message from God. I have said it. Now I must leave. And God has even directed me not to take the same route that I used to get here. If we go look at verse 10, the prophet starts his journey, leaving the king in area he was in. And you know what I've told you so far? If we were just to stop right here, it would be an awesome story. I could preach on that. But see, that's not where this story stops. You see, something happens on the backside of the story that really is mind-boggling and unreal. Because, you see, in the same place lived an old, backslidden prophet who once had a great anointing on his life, a great ministry, and at one time carried the same prophetic words that God would use to back up with miracles that were hard to believe. But somewhere along the way, the king uh, bought his favor, enriched this old prophet with many worldly things, and this old prophet stopped prophesying the word of the Lord, and the king paid this prophet to speak only good things over his kingdom. This old prophet was just a shell 
of what he used to be. A man at one time who had a great anointing, a great favor of God on his life. But now something has happened to him. Something has happened that this anointing and his gift have stopped. And, and because of all these evil things the king was doing. Now here this old prophet, here he is, sitting at home silent. Because the king has bought and paid for him. And the gift of the old prophet isn't, isn't happening anymore. It's not, he doesn't feel what he used to feel. He doesn't sense the things he used to sense. But one day this old prophet is sitting at home. And he starts to hear about this younger, man, uh, younger prophet from Judah. And you know, I, in my mind, I could almost see his boys, it even shares in the vo- verses here in the next few minutes, his boys running in and start sharing everything that had happened because of, what, because of what was going on, because they were there and saw it. It even says in verse 11, they told all that the man of God had done there on that day. They saw the king confronted. They saw the hand wither. They saw the miracle. They came running home and were so excited they wanted to share all that had happened. And I'm sure these boys were saying things like, Dad, you won't believe what happened. Dad, you, couldn't, you can't imagine what happened there. And they kept going on and on. And, and I can kind of see how excited these boys might be to share something with their dad. And maybe they even said, you know, Dad, it's, it's stories like you, you, want, you, you used to tell us about. And this old prophet was, was moved by some of the feelings of the past, of something that was once there that he longed for from those times from the past, from where they used to be. This prophet wanted so badly to feel those moves of God again, to feel the favor of God again in his life. And in verse 12, he said to his boys, which way did he go? He said, I must go and find this young prophet, talk with him, bring him to my house. So he prepared his donkey. He went out looking for the young prophet, and he found him. And he said, I heard of what God is doing through you, and I'm amazed by all of this. Would you please come and eat and stay with me so we could talk more on this? And the young prophet gave the same answer he gave to the king. No, I must leave. And this is where the story gets interesting. In verse 18, the old prophet says, I too am a prophet, just as you are. And an angel said to me by the word of the Lord, bring him back with you to your house so that he may eat bread and drink water. You see, the old prophet tried to talk him into coming, and the young man was not going to disobey God, and the old prophet knew it. So he went and did something terrible from what I've shared in verse 18. But what I didn't share was the ending of verse 18 where it says, but he was lying to him. In that moment, everything changed because the younger prophet was like, well, if this guy who's been around and he's an old prophet, if he's telling me this, why would he lie? Why would he say a thing like that? Surely it must be true. But there was no angel. It was a lie. It was all made up. And this young prophet was like, well, if an angel told you, I guess I need to go. And he went and had uh, dinner at his house, spent time with him. And I thought of this uh, verse over in Galatians 1.8, but even if we or an angel from heaven preach any gospel to you other than what we have preached to you, let them be under God's curse. Folks, just because it looks spiritual, just because it sounds spiritual, I'm telling you right now, if it's not in the book, if it doesn't say, thus saith the Lord, you don't need to follow it. You don't need to allow it in your life. There's a lot of doctrines of demons and other things in this world where it seems like anything and everything goes and you can go and pick and choose what makes you feel good. Church, that is not what this Bible teaches. That is not what this church teaches. I'm sorry to tell you, but not everyone is going to make it to heaven. This is not a feel-good book. This book is a challenging book. This book will challenge your life and your family if you will allow it. 
There is only one way. There is only one truth. There is only one life, and it is Jesus, and it is his word. It is not by any other way. I know we have popular culture telling us it's okay. No, it's not. Jesus said, no one comes to the Father but by me. And this young prophet goes to the home of the old prophet. And in the mind, the mind that I, in my mind, the way that I see things, I know we all see things differently, but the way I see it, I could see them sitting around uh, like, like a bunch of people just enjoying a good time, having a great talk. And the old prophet was saying things to him such as, you know, tell me about this. Tell me about that one service. Tell me about that one song. Tell me about that one time. Tell me about this. Tell me about that. He wanted all of what he had felt before. He wanted those feelings back. And I could, in my mind, I could see that old prophet, the shell of a man who once had this amazing anointing on his life, just sitting there. Something had happened, and he traded this amazing anointing for temporary things. Now this young prophet is sitting there, and they are exchanging stories. And in my mind, I'm sure this old prophet is sharing stories of the good times, of how God moved and did mighty works in his time. And all of the stories and everything, and they continued. And the old, old, the old prophet started to say, you know what? Stay the night with me. And the young prophet says, no. And he leaves and takes off on his donkey. And here's where the story gets interesting. Because as he gets down the road, and shortly after starting, he's killed by a lion. People soon pass by and see what has happened. And the word gets back to the town of this old prophet where he's at. Word was going through the entire town that this prophet who had touched the king and kingdom, was now dead, and word quickly got back to this old prophet. The old prophet goes to see where his body is lying, finds the body with a donkey and the lion just sitting there. And this old prophet begins to weep. And he goes and he picks up the body, puts it on the back of his donkey, brings it to his house, and the old prophet prepares his body and then buries the body and this young man of God in his own plot, in his own tomb. And this prophet is weeping, He's crying because he's moved by what has happened because it has now finally dawned on him what has happened. He begins to weep because he realized it was my influence. This, this here in this, in, this, in this tomb was a good, godly man who was going to do great things that had an incredible anointing on his life. But the old prophet said because of my influence, because of the influence I used, and I used it in an evil way, everything's destroyed now. When the old prophet finished burying him, the prophet turned to his boys, and he made a very odd request of them in verse 31. He said, when I die, promise me, promise me this, that you will bury my bones in the same grave. Because if it wasn't for me, this prophet would still be preaching. If it wasn't for me, he would still be anointed. If it wasn't for me, he wouldn't be in this grave. If it wasn't for this old prophet, he would have been altering the nation. Now, I know I've taken a lot of time here to talk about where we're at and everything. Trying to set it all up to share everything. But again, I want to propose this question to everybody in this room, including myself. What will you do with your influence? How will you use your influence? And will you use it for good or will you use it for bad? The personal influence that one person can have over another, it can be used for good or it can be used for evil. When Adam was in the garden, the Bible says he was alone, and it was not good for him to be alone. Why? Because no one can have influence if they are by themselves. And as soon as God gave him Eve, immediately influence was birthed into our world. Influence, it's a powerful thing. 
Your influence matters. Influence is so powerful that, Rome, that Paul said in Romans 14, 7, for no one lives to himself and no one dies to himself. In other words, when you die, the same place that your bones are laid, spiritually, you will have an impact on your children and on the people that, you, that knew you, and they will go by the same route that you went into eternity. None of us lives unto himself, and no one dies to himself. Your influence can take good people and make it bad, or take bad people and make it good. Your influence is very, and I want to say that again, your influence is very important. It's a steady influence that it can impact us the most. We all cast a shadow. That shadow can be one of healing, or it can be one of a shadow of destruction, addiction, and bondage. Think about the kind of influence from the people in the Bible that still speaks today. You know, I think of Abraham and the impact that he made with, the, with, with religion in the world. I think of Moses. I think about this man and the influence that he carried. When God appeared to him through a burning bush and said, go, set the captives free from Egypt, and then he received the Ten Commandments, and those today are still impacting our society. I think of Paul. This man used to be called Saul. He persecuted, killed many Christians, yet by the mercy and grace of God, he was miraculously saved, transformed, and went on to have a ministry that today still influences the Christian belief and church as a whole. When I think of people of influence in the Bible that are still having influence today, I think of people like David. I think of the disciples. I think of Nehemiah. I think of the struggles of Job. I think of the wrestling match that Jacob had. You know, I think about especially with what I do, I think about young people who are easily, easily influenced. And I ask this question again, whose influence are you following? You see, if that young prophet had not followed the, young, the, the, the wrong influence, he would no doubt have done many great things. But influence changed all of it. Influence can cut off your destiny you have been called to. It can destroy your calling. It can stop your purpose. Church, whether you want to hear it or not, what I'm going to say is really true. And if you, if you have a problem with it, feel free to call me tomorrow. I don't know my extension number. Zach, what's your extension number? You can call him if you've got a problem with it, okay? Louise will be there tomorrow. She can direct you straight to Zach. I want to interject a little humor in this because I want to say something. It matters who you hang out with. It matters who you give influence to in your life. It matters who you listen to. It matters how they influence your life. It matters what you have on on your TV in your living room. It matters the things that are in your email and on your Facebook account. Those things are influencing you. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts, corrupts good character. You can be a good person, a godly person, meaning and wanting to do right. But if you allow the influence of evil into your life, it can go the wrong way. Sometimes young people and even older people, we want to try and influence others. We're trying to do things good. We're trying to influence people in a positive manner. Sometimes we succeed. Sometimes we don't. And I found this story on the Internet. It was a, a, a story of a student in college, and he had a big test coming up. And like many college students, and myself included, he didn't study for it. I know none of you all are guilty of that in here. It was a midterm paper, a big, huge test. A part of the grade he would be getting for this whole class was right here in front of him. 
and he heard that the professor was a Christian, and the student never read the Bible, but doing some research on the Internet, he found this one verse, and he wrote it on the top of the paper after he tried to pass the test, and he turned it in, laid it on the desk. The professor saw this, and he read it, and it said, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. The professor saw this, looked over his paper, graded it, and gave him the terrible grade his paper deserved. But I love what he wrote on the bottom of this and gave it back to the students. And the words were, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. (laughs) You see, this young man was trying to use influence that he didn't know how to do something with to influence other people, but it didn't work. We should strive to be someone of great influence in our lives because God wants us to positively impact those around us. The Duke of Wellington made this comment. I consider Napoleon's presence on the battlefield equal to that of 40,000 men. Folks, that's influence. The Duke said, if I see him, if I see Napoleon on the field, it carries the weight or influence of 40,000 soldiers. And it was just one man. Your influence or the weight of your influence has a lasting effect more than any of us really know. In Revelations 14, 13, it says, Then I heard a voice from heaven saying, Write this, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, they shall rest from their labor, for their deeds will follow them. It's not over. The influence, the works you have left, if used in the correct setting and in the correct influence, will leave a path for generations to follow. But on the same thought, they can leave a path to follow for blessings and anointing and ministry and miracles, but they can also lead a path for destruction and bondage. Yes, your children and family may get off the path at times in life, but if you have set the correct path, if you've used your influence properly, they're going to respond to it. When I was researching for this sermon, I went to Google and I put in this phrase, influential historical events in U.S. history. And I found this one that I just, I just thought was really, really cool. And it's about a lady in the, uh, the turning of the 1900s. She was a cook in the New York City area. Her name was Mary. She cooked for many wealthy families in her time. In the year 1907, there was a terrible disease called typhoid fever that broke out, and it went from one house to another, from one family to another, from one community to another. And as they were trying to find out what was happening and where did all of this come from, there was one common thing that had taken place in all of these homes. This lady, Mary, had been in there. And the newspapers got a hold of all of this information, and they nicknamed her Typhoid Mary. And this lady was literally a walking time bomb of what she was carrying. Everywhere she went, she unknowingly contaminated people, and people were dying by large numbers. And she ended up disappearing for a few years, but later this disease struck another community, and guess who they found there? Mary. And I found this following part in a medical research journal online, and it said during a two-year period of confinement, she was tested during this time 163 times for what she had. 120 times it came back positive. But it was these following words. These aren't my words. This was in the medical journal. Yet no one ever attempted to explain to Mary the significance or influence of being a carrier of what she had inside of her. Let me say that again. Yet no one ever attempted to explain to Mary the significance 
or influence of being a carrier of what she had inside of her. I decided to look up the word influence again, and I, I said, I want, I want to find out where, the, where did this word influence even come from? And I'll just put it this way. I got my Josh reasons on. I started doing a lot of research. And I found out in origin in Latin, this word comes from the word influenza, meaning your influence can be spread even when you're not aware of it. Church, just let me, let me just say it this way. There are spiritually typhoid Marys in this world. There are people that if you get around them, they're going to take the joy out of you. They will take your worship out of you. They will take the anointing out of you. They will take righteousness out of you. And if you allow them, they will even take your life away from you. But at the same time, there are people that you need to get around because they will put joy into your life. They will put purpose into your life. You've got to be careful about who you allow to influence in your life. The more you get around them, the more that they will influence you and possibly even contaminate you to do what is not right. There are people that have evil influence and they are trying to influence you whether you know it or not. And if you allow them into your life, church, you've got to guard what you allow into your homes. You've got to guard what you listen to. You've got to guard what you're watching to. You can't just get around everyone and everything and think it's not having an effect on your life. It will have an influence on your life. You have to guard what is most important. Parents, you have to guard what is most precious to you. And I don't know about anyone else, but I have found out that the two most important things in my life are my sons. Yes, I love my wife, but those, those sons that I have, I'm the one who's putting influence on them. And I've got to guard what gets into their rooms. I've got to guard what comes on that iPad. I'm the one who has to watch over it. My wife says I'm very overprotective, and I probably I would agree with her on that. But I am careful because I want to be aware of the influences that they're going to have in their lives. We as leaders, even we as parents, mothers, fathers, aunts, uncles, grandpas, grandmas, if we're not careful, we can have evil influence over those under us. An example would be of a man, and I cannot say his name. Oh, it's in 2 Kings. It talks about this young boy, and he, he walked in the, in the way of the house of Ahab, did evil in the sight of the Lord like the house of Ahab, for he was the son-in-law of Ahab. Folks, it is mentioned here who his father was, and I could spend time talking about the evil influence his father had, but he had a mother also who had evil influence. And because of these parents that were full of evil influence, it caused this person to go in the wrong direction. See, you just can't say it's nobody's business how I live my life. I'm not messing up anyone. I'm not asking anyone to follow me down my path. Your influence is. Your influence is, a very, is very real in a person's life, and it is saying more than words ever will. The power of influence is that it lives on after we die. The influence is passed from one generation to another, even when someone dies and they've been gone for years, their influence still carries on. The influence of Abraham still speaks today to the church. Moses still speaks of miracles to the church. David still speaks of worship. Joshua still speaks of walls coming down. Paul still speaks to me of keep going, finish what is in front of you. When I think of so many that have passed from this life, yet they're still speaking today because of the influence that they had. I can think of those in my, in my personal life, of those who have had influence on my life. 
I can think of the pastors and ministers, families and friends who have spoken into my life and influenced my life. And many times I come back using one influence that was huge in my life. And I talk about my grandma. And I remember many times, and especially with this time of the year, it's Thanksgiving, Zach. I'm saying Thanksgiving. It's not Christmas yet. It's Thanksgiving. But we were decorating for Christmas during Thanksgiving. There's an inside joke in the office right there. I just had to get that in. I remember so many times growing up at First Assembly. I remember so many times my grandma decorating this church, and it seemed like it took months. And I remember the influence that she had on my life because I would go and I would help her for about 20, 30 minutes, and then I would sneak off into the church trying to do something else. And many times I just would run that, what I thought was a huge, massive church, all different areas. And occasionally throughout the day, I would always find my grandma ending up in one place. She would end up in the sanctuary, and I can remember to this day my grandmother, even though I didn't understand what she was doing, she was praying in the Spirit. She was praying things over her family, over her sons and her daughters, over her husband and over her family. And that still has influence on my life today, even though I didn't know what was going on. Influence can change everything. To this day, I remember those moments. I can close my eyes and picture that sanctuary dark, but just a few lights at the front, and I can see her up there praying. The power of influence can flow from generation to generation, and we have got to guard our influence. Proverbs 21.1 says, A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, loving favor rather than silver or gold. Church, we got to guard our influence with our family and those around us that trust us. Your influence is contaminating those around you either for the good or for the bad. If we go over into Exodus 32, we find the story of Moses leaving Aaron in charge of everything. And we know what happened when Aaron fell and didn't do the right thing when Moses came back and was hearing from God up on the mountain. And Moses is like, what happened? Aaron, I left you in charge. I mean, I wasn't gone that long. What has happened to where we're now like this? And Aaron says in verse 24, I told them, whoever has gold, jewelry, take it off. And they gave me the gold and I threw it into the fiver and, and out came this calf. That sounds like my son when he breaks something in the house. Peyton, how did this happen? It just fell, Daddy. You know, that's not how it happened you see, what happened was Aaron was forming and molding and using his influence to create that what was in front of him. You see, you can't say I didn't ask them to follow me or I didn't tell them to do what I was doing because between what they were and what they are is you. Whether you like it or not, you are influencing people more than you know and you are either influencing bad habits or good habits. You are the one who are influencing ideas into them. You are the one influencing those friends around them. You are the one that are influencing those children. You are the one. And one day, each of us will have to stand in front of God and give an account of our lives, and God will ask, what did you do with the influence I gave you? That's why I personally don't do everything that I could. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 6, 12, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. Meaning just because you can doesn't mean you should. You are influencing more than you know. Eyes are watching and ears are listening. 
You are influencing your friends. You're influencing your children. You're influencing your coworkers. You're influencing those neighbors who you think you don't ever talk to. They're watching what you're doing because they hear you're a Christian. You're influencing people even when they're not watching. What will you do with your influence? And if Pastor John and the worship team could come back. I told him to stay close. He didn't believe me. I'm going to take a big gulp of water before I say this next one. I just want to say this. You should serve God with everything that you have inside of you. You should love God with everything that's inside of you. You should honor God with everything that's inside of you. He is a God of mercy, of grace, and of love. But if you say, I'm not going to, I don't have to, I don't need to, I don't want to. Y'all, I want you to hear my heart on this. If you won't do it for yourself, if you won't do it for your own soul, then why don't you think about those whom you love and who are following your influence? I'm going to say this, guys, if you're over the age of 16 in this room, I want to make you something aware of something maybe you're not aware of. But there are bright, shiny-eyed kids that are watching everything that you do and listening to every word that you say. Let me repeat that because some of y'all didn't hear it. You need to follow God because there are bright, shiny-eyed kids that are watching everything you do and everything you say. And I promise you, they've got a memory better than yours and they're remembering everything. These children are watching every move we make, everything that you are saying. I'm telling you, they're amazing. I'm with them over in that room every Sunday morning. I'm in these rooms with them on Wednesday nights. These little stinkers remember everything I say. Sometimes I get ahead of myself and say, hey, we're going to have this next week, and then I don't have it. And they'll be like, Pastor Mike, where's this at? Whoops. These kids are amazing in everything that they remember, everything they see. And guys, I'm telling you something. Whether you're aware of it or not, eventually you're going to start seeing these kids that have been watching, that have been looking at you, even when you didn't think you were saying anything. They're going to start picking up habits like you. All of a sudden you're going to start seeing their personality develop. You're going to see them start acting uh, just like you, start doing things just like you. For eight years, Peyton's lived in my house. Guess which team he roots for? He likes the Tennessee Volunteers. Because why? Because daddy does. We're influencing things, and I've never told him to be a Tennessee fan. But he watched me. He saw me. I was the influence in his life. As we're transitioning to the time where this sermon comes to the end, I want to share this last story because I feel like God has instructed me how we're going to go about this time in the altar. And there's a story of a man named Matthew who is a very successful businessman. Everyone all over this town wanted him when they needed help. And from a worldly standpoint, he was very successful, had everything he could want. He was wealthy, had a beautiful wife, children, a home. He, he had everything. But Matthew had this one problem. And every day he would go by the local bar in his neighborhood and he would enjoy a drink or two. And then he would go on about his day every day. That's what he did every day, the bar, go by, go by the bar. And one morning as he got up to leave, 
he was walking to the bar and he noticed this sound behind him as he was getting ready to open the door because there was newly uh, uh, fresh snow on the ground. And as he turned around, he saw the very footprints that he was leaving behind. And as he looked behind, there was his son following him. He was influencing and he never said anything. And guys, this is my prayer as a, as a pastor, but more importantly as a father. I want to leave footprints for my children to have a righteous path. God, guard this mouth. Guard my mind. Don't let me say things that will send them down the wrong path. So again, what are you going to do with your influence? Because I promise you, whether you know it or not, somebody's watching. Somebody's following you. And here's a sobering question I want to ask each of us in this room. And I'm asking myself also, so don't get mad at me. But before I ask this question, I want to give you just these last few stats right here. And I got these stats from a ministry, web, a ministry website. It says if a teen or a child gets saved first in the family, there's a 25% chance the rest of the family is going to get saved. If the wife gets saved first in the family, there's between a 55 to 60% chance the rest of the family is going to get saved. But if a dad will get saved first, there is a 90% chance that the rest of the family is going to get saved. So here's my question. Would our children, would your children, would my children had a better chance in this life if I were not a part of it? That's a hard question. I'm not attacking you with, I'm asking myself. It's a question over these last few months that Ashley and I, we're trying to figure out as I'm trying to juggle the act of having two kids. I'm asking myself this question, would Peyton Cooper be better off in their lives if I wasn't around? I'm going to ask Ashley and Peyton Cooper to come join me real quick. Here's my answer to you. And I'm saying this in front of my church, my family, my friends, because I want to be held accountable. There will be no greater influence in these two boys' lives than me. I'm not throwing it on the church to raise my children. I'm not going to throw it on the youth or the kids pastor to raise my kids. I'm not throwing it on my family, even though they're a great help. All of you are a great help. But I will be the greatest influence in these boys' lives. I will be the one to teach them the ways of God. I will be the one to teach them to obey, to worship, and to honor God. I will be the one that teaches these boys how to treat and honor women that come in their life. It won't be the world because the world's doing a pretty crappy job of it. You can ask Peyton, every time I, uh, the way I have raised this boy is he honors his mom with everything. I'm not trying to put him up on a pedestal. He's got his faults. He's, he's, he's learning. But I will be the greatest influence on them. And here's what we're going to do in this altar call in just a second, but I want to do one further thing. Ashley, can you come over this way? Peyton, come back by me. Zach and Amy, can you come up here for a second?
I said a minute ago, there will be no greater influence on these boys' lives than me. In the next three to four years, as scary as I thought as it is, I'm going to have a boy going into the youth group. And my deepest prayer is this. And I say it publicly. It's on Facebook. It's all over the place. I pray to God you two are still the youth pastors. Can you take it? Because I want my son to have these people influencing on him. I can say this because I've been around the church of God and I love the church of God. And if I could be church of God, I'd probably have a church of God tattoo. I admit that. I'm church of God through and through. And I say this humbly and I say this with honor and I know Zach's going to hate me for saying it. And I'm not saying this to get pride, to get anything out of him other than to say this. There is no better youth pastor in the church of God than these two right here. There is nobody that is influencing this generation in this town better than these two right here. I love every youth pastor in this town. I honor you, but these two are a step above. Not because I'm on staff with them, not because we're buddies, but there is nobody can, that can match these two's passion. And I thank God that one day they're going to be able to influence him. If you're still around when he's that age, oh dear Lord. But I hope, I hope as a friend you're able to influence my child. But here's the thing. I'm not going to put it on them to influence and raise my children. I want them to be a resource. I want them to be an encourager. I want them to be somebody that he can go to and share things with. But church, it's time that we stop putting all of this on us. And I'm not saying it because I'm the kids pastor. I'm just being honest. Take control of your home. Be the man of God. Be the woman of God. And take control of it. God has said, I have given you a spirit of victory. Not a fear. I'm ready for the, what, the mantle God's put on this church. I'm ready for it to come to pass. I'm tired of talking about it. I'm ready for it to be here. I'm ready to see a generation of kids and teenagers that will change this community. And this is how I want to do this altar call tonight, if you will. Dads, if you're here, I'm asking you to take lead tonight. I want you to get your families, get them together, and come up here in this altar area as a family together right now. Teenagers, if maybe your family's not here tonight, your spiritual dad and your spiritual mom's here. You might say, Mike, I don't have a family here tonight. Maybe I don't have kids here tonight. Guys, let me say something about this church that maybe you're not aware of yet. We're family. We share our good times. We share our bad times. If there's not a family member here with you tonight, jump in with somebody. Tonight, they just became second cousins.